0: opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. Our scripture this morning comes from uh, Matthew, the third chapter of that gospel. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John in the Jordan to be baptized by John. John would have prevented Jesus saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered, John, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he had come up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our text this morning from Matthew's Gospel on the baptism of our Lord Sunday naturally has us gathering at the River Jordan to witness the baptism of Jesus. John the Baptist is all wound up in preacher mode. and, And in these verses... All of the Gospels tell this story and different ones give a little more detail. John is wound up. He tells his listeners, particularly the Pharisees, stomping around there in the River Jordan, that that they are a brood of vipers. We hear the rushing water and the murmur of the enthralled crowd. They stand around as though they are near someone who could bring good news or be full of danger. They're not sure which... As a young minister, I liked wading into these waters of this text, and I loved every time this text came up. I loved wagging my finger at my congregation and said, you are a brood of vipers, a pit of snakes. You're nothing but sinners. I was pointing mainly to to Tom Eulen when I said that. I loved saying that. And an older fellow in my congregation, my first church, he said, Matt, I believe you enjoyed that too much. But I I love coming to this text when it comes around every January and more often it's part of the lectionary that pops up uh, again uh, besides just January. And I love gathering around the cool waters of the Jordan River. I've not been there where they presume Jesus was baptized. Have you all been to the Holy Land and stood by that place? Sure. Sure. I've not been there, but I, I have certainly imagined it. Uh, imagined it every time I come to this text. We read how the heavens were opened, uh, ripped open, uh, and and God's words swirl out like a tornado with the rip and the roar of, of divinity, love's disaster to the status quo. This is love's disaster to the status quo, and the voice says, "This is my son." My beloved or the beloved with whom I am well pleased. We're going to hear that voice only in a few weeks from now when Jesus and James and John stand on the Mount of Transfiguration. The voice of God will come from the heavens again. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. But the Gospel writer at that point will add these words. Listen to Him. But here we have have the words. the, the, The blessing conferred with a voice from heaven. All of the gospel writers tell this story, and they underscore, these stories underscore how this ordinary man, from of all places, Nazareth, from a carpenter's son of all people, he, this one, has long been set apart, called out, and marked to be God's Messiah, God's especially chosen one. And it's not John the Baptist who's done the choosing. It's not the frenzied, nervous crowd that dares to choose, that dares to set this one out. It is God who does the setting apart, who does the calling, who does the commissioning, who does the blessing. God sets Jesus apart, according to John's gospel, from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. This one who is begotten, not made, this light from very light, this Christ, this Jesus has been set apart. And the heavens open. And for those who don't know it, there in that crowd, they see that Jesus is anointed by the voice of God. I don't know how God's voice sounded then or sounds now, for that matter, but everyone heard it and all were sure. And we still hear and believe. This person, Jesus, is somebody we know, we know to keep an eye on because this Holy One has been called by God to rile our lives and to walk with us into this life. Today we dare to ordain and install elders and deacons. They come in the footsteps of the one who hailed from Nazareth. They are ordinary folk and they... These ones whom God has called through your voice in an election in this congregation, they are set apart for their service today, not by the rending of heavens or by the the pounding voice of God, but by the laying on of hands, your hands, today. We pray our touch. We pray that it confers God's blessing. What these people are being commissioned for is specific forms of service in this congregation, and particularly uh, areas of leadership. We all are called to this ministry. They're just the ones who are called to make sure it gets done. So they come to deacons' meetings and session meetings, and we say, how did it go with such and such? Because they are responsible for it. Uh, And if it was a success, wonderful. And if it wasn't, how can we help to make it a success next time? What is God trying to do with us and through us and for us? These these people are being called to pay close attention to that and to help lead us all into this ministry, deepen our walk in this ministry. An elder or deacon does no really extra work, but they work extra hard to get you and me to do the extra work, to be the disciples that God has called us to be, to do the work, each of us, all of us, collectively and individually, to do the work that God has called us to do. So these elders and deacons we're going to install today. We're going to ordain those who haven't been ordained. We're going to commission them all to care for specific leadership duties and the mission of our church, our worship, our service, the care of the flock. We all are called to these duties, but these elders and deacons are called to coordinate, to really help us make sure we're getting the traction we need. Back to Jesus' baptism. There's something like that going on here, of course. Jesus is being set apart. All eyes are on him for a moment, and he is being commissioned by God, by his Father, to go out into the world and bring us with him to do this work to which God has called us to do, this this commissioning here in the River Jordan. The baptism itself is a little confusing. We have to admit it. Why? Why? In a baptism where sins are washed away, why would Jesus need to be baptized? What sins was he guilty of that needed to be washed away? Uh, John asks the same question, essentially. John doesn't understand. I'm going to baptize you? No, no, no. It should be the other way around. But Jesus says, no, in fact, I want you to baptize me. I want to fulfill this kind of righteousness. I want to be part of this. And part of this means that I'm going to submit to you. You're going to baptize me. It's confusing. It's confusing. But what is clear about baptism is, as we gathered around this font, what's clear is that God loves us all the time. What's clear is that baptism marks a new beginning. Even old people can can be born again and are, and are every day, we hope. Uh, Baptism marks a new beginning, we're sure of that. The old is washed away. We are equipped somehow, encouraged, dared even, to step boldly with trust into a new day, into new responsibilities, new duties, to face old duties anew, more freshly. And the fact that God's Son submitted Himself to baptism suggests That God Himself has chosen to walk with us. That God has chosen to wear our shoes. That God has chosen to put on our flesh, our worry, our woe, and our delight. When we gather at the river with John the Baptist, Jesus is stepping into our lives, making a choice. I've not only done this being born in manger hay in Bethlehem a few weeks ago at Christmas, But I'm doing this now as a young man stepping into your life by the grace of God. So this scene reminds us that God knows us. Sure, we know that from the Old Testament. We know that from the old stories. But God is reminding us anew that God knows us. God knows the weight of our grief. God knows the way uncertainties can tie us into a knot. God knows. God knows what the butterflies in our stomach feel like when we're getting ready to start something new or when we're thrust into something new that we may or may not like. God knows what that feels like. God God knows what love in all its forms feels like. God knows what it is to bleed. God knows what it is to laugh. God knows us. God is stepping in. In baptism in general, and in Jesus' baptism in particular, God is saying something like, I think, I'm on your team. I've chosen to be on your team. And by the way, the team includes everybody. Everybody. You don't know that, but I do. You are my kind of people. That's, I think, what God is saying. I will wash you, and I will ready you for service. I will tend you and and I will mend you so you'll be ready to do as I've invited you to do in this world. I'll walk with you in the person of my Son, Jesus Christ. And of course, this is at the beginning of the Gospels. We have a whole Gospel story of walking uh, with Jesus as He goes to all these towns, meets all these people, does all this ministry, even as He goes to Jerusalem to a cross. God walks with us in the person of his son Jesus the Christ. And of course, we have the history of the church in Acts. We see how though, though though Christ has gone to heaven, the Spirit is with us on this journey and makes new new things from old things. We see in the letters from Paul to the churches he helped to found, let words of encouragement. And we see in that great book, that great, that great exclamation point of the New Testament, Revelation, how if, if this, this life is some kind of battle, it's not, but if it were, God wins. God wins, God always does. In the person of Jesus the Christ, the one who sits as a lamb on the throne. So in baptism, we see that God will walk with us. We see that we're marked we too are baptized. We're marked to join in this redemptive work. And we see God leaning in with us saying, I'm going to help you to claim your gifts, the gifts you have been nervous about owning, the gifts that I've given you. I'm going to help you claim them. I'm going to help you use them. I'm going to help you succeed. And when you fail, I'm going to help you get up and brush yourself off and and laugh and and be gentle with yourself and take a step back and breathe and then march forward. I am your God and I'm with you. I'll teach you to give your life away in generous service. The world teaches you to cling, to hold on, to protect yourself, I'll teach you to open up and give it all away. We remember our baptism not only to recall what God has done for us, what God did in Christ and what God did in those people gathered, but we remember baptism To give thanks for what God continues to do this new day, this new year, this new life. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.